Welcome to the Environmental Transformation Podcast, where we talk with industry leaders who are making an impact in their businesses. Each leader is solving complex challenges and providing solutions within their respective areas of expertise. Our host is Sean Grady. He is passionate about helping clients transform their businesses and solving their environmental challenges. And here's our host, Sean Grady. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Environmental Transformation Podcast. Today's guest is Jerry Blanchard, also known as the Norm Lady. Jerry is an internationally recognized Norm and T-Norm expert out of Texas, and she's been considered an expert for the past 16 years and has a strong passion for conveying technical information in plain language, breaking it down for the common person. She has written more state agency approved norm decontamination license applications in the U.S. than anyone in the past 11 years. She commonly acts as a liaison between industry and regulatory bodies. Her brand is well known throughout the oil and gas industry. We're also going to talk about another credential in the industry, the Norm Radiation Safety Officer or RSO credential, and who needs it to support their business. So listen up, buckle up, and let's enjoy the podcast. Today's podcast is sponsored by Norm Solutions, providing real-world, field-oriented training based on current methods, techniques, and practices. Norm Solutions services include corporate and field RSO contracting, site surveying, radiation protection plan writing, auditing, meter rentals, and other field and consulting services. To learn more about Norm Solutions, check out their website at www.normsolutions.com or email at jerry at normsolutions.com. Jerry Blanchard, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm excited. Oh, me too. This is going to be great. You know, we're going to cover a lot of great topics today and around norm and T-norm and what is norm. And, you know, I guess uh, I did a little bit of an intro for you earlier for the listeners. So they got a little bit of understanding of what you're doing and who the norm lady is. But uh, I think inquiring minds want to know is who is norm and are you his lady? <laughs> okay, so norm is a industry term. Yeah, uh, you know we hear we could hear these jokes about norm from Cheers, yeah. and uh, you know it's the guy at the end of the bar, right? right? So, um, but norm is an acronym. It's an industry acronym and regulatory acronym, and it's standing for naturally occurring radioactive material. And so, um, it is a term that's a blanket term. It's very broad and generalized. That includes anything that is naturally occurring radioactive material, pretty much like the name. So it's going to be natural radiation that's in rocks and soils. Oh, okay. And um, we do have natural radioactivity that beats down on us from the sun and from, you know, um, also deep underground, which is when we're getting into what T-norm is, technologically enhanced norm. And that's a more technically correct term for norm in the oil and gas industry. And that's primarily what I specialize in is oil and gas norm and T-norm. But it is found in other industries as well. Right, right. Well, that's that's okay. That kind of clears up the norm situation. And that's really good to know. I was wondering. <laughs> 
wondering where Norm was, but no, I'm just kidding. No, I I am very well familiar with the Norm uh, situation with oil and gas. Uh, I've done a lot of oil and gas work throughout my career, and uh, you and I connected uh, probably over 10 years ago when uh, we were needing some Norm training uh, for some staff and some of the work we did, and so I've been through your courses, and which is why I really wanted to bring you on the, the podcast because... You do a fantastic job of explaining a very technical and challenging topic to, to basically dumb it down for normal people to really understand the importance of Norm. So how did you get involved with Norm, T-Norm industry, and what types of clients are you uh, providing services to? Okay, well, early on in my career, when it was first beginning, I was graduating college with my master's degree, and I wanted to go into the oil and gas industry because my family... Uh, is in drilling. And so I decided, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do environmental health and safety in the oil field. Well, it was also at a time when the price of oil was low. (laughs) So there weren't very many options, you know, (laughs) for uh, getting a degree, uh, you know, getting a job out there. And so I decided, okay, well, I'm going to go back to the Permian Basin. That's where I'm from. That's where I grew up at. And Nobody was hardly hiring, and so I started looking outside the realm of oil and gas um, environmental health and safety because I'd primarily looked at jobs with operators and facilities and, you know, things like that. And then I came across this this one little company, and they did norm decontamination and disposal. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to just apply what the hay not going to hurt anything. And I ended up becoming their corporate radiation safety officer, which is the person who is listed on the radiation license for norm decontamination activities. And then I became recognizable for being someone who was very knowledgeable in this in this field. And then I eventually hit a point where I decided I wanted to start my own business and I wanted to do consulting and get to do the activities I really enjoy. Oh, well, that's that's great. So you started out and, okay, well, let me back up real quick. You talked about the Permian Basin there. You know, some of our listeners aren't going to know where the Permian Basin is. So can you just maybe give a reference, frame of reference geography wise for the people listening where the Permian Basin is? Sure. The Permian Basin is primarily West Texas and southeastern New Mexico. And so the Permian Basin is the name of a a large operating area that used to be uh, seafloor, you know, millions of years ago. Mm -hmm. And so it is a prime area where we also call it the oil patch. And that's where a lot of oil and gas activities that happen um, in the exploration and production phase, that's, that's also drilling, uh, at well sites. And so there's a lot of rig counts out there, a lot of activity, and I just happened to grow up in that area and decided after college I wanted to go back. Gotcha. So, so, you have, so basically maybe what, the Midland, uh, Texas yes, area, yes. you know, that's kind of the, what I read when I think of the Permian out that way, you know, it's kind of the western texas region yes i actually graduated high school from midland texas oh okay perfect all right great that's cool that's neat to know all right good deal (laughs) all right so so you started out in the industry there and and got a little bit you know got some a lot of exposure because you were the rso for uh this small company and you started uh thinking hey let me start my own uh training consulting business and uh that got going in that so um you know, if you put your safety hat on, because I think, aren't you, a, I think you're a CSP as well, but I, 
That's right. Okay. I'm actually a CSP and an REM. All right. So you're REM CSP. So let's put the safety hat on. Let's talk about, you know, let's dive into the technical details about what are some of the hazards associated with NORM and why is NORM such an important, you know, uh, component or, or, you know, a material to really be concerned about? Okay, now uh, when a lot of folks hear about NORM initially and they hear that funny little word in the name called radioactive, they have a tendency to overreact about it. And so radiation is around us all the time. Uh, we, it's unavoidable. It's part of everyday life. And so we have more introduction to it than we realize. So we have a tendency to think of bombs and, you know, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, accidents and nuclear situations and all these kinds of things. And that's not really what's happening every day. Right. right. And so uh, radioactive material is not necessarily scary. Now, norm um, is the lowest level of radiation that even exists. So the only thing lower than norm, what we're looking at from a waste perspective, would be natural background, which exists everywhere you go on Earth. Right. And so norm, as a the lowest level of radiation that you've got or, you, you know, that exists, then we have to be aware of certain licensing requirements that pertain to working with it. And so that's where we get into things like PPE and mitigating hazards involved with uh, inhalation and ingestion of these particles that, you know, over a course of a day or two or a week even, you're not going to inhale enough of them to cause any kind of problem. But what we're trying to avoid are folks who work in that cleaning type industry for years and years and years as part of their career. And then one day find out they have some type of a health issue. So any type of health issue that could maybe even be associated with norm is all going to be chronic based and it could be the possibility of lung cancers and bone cancers. But the thing with norm is that since the activities are so low, the concentrations or the volumes would have to be so large for people to consume that it's almost impossible, but it's certainly impractical. Someone would have to be purposely trying to ingest or inhale so much of these particles to cause a health problem. But this material is licensed and it has to be managed in a way uh, to avoid any of those things from happening. Uh, so, so really like a chronic exposure over a long period of time is really the big concern here for the exposure scenario, right? Absolutely, because there is no IDLH for norm. It doesn't exist. And for anybody who doesn't know, that's immediately dangerous to life and health. There is no magic number that if you hit that much, I mean, it's directly affecting your immediate health. And so with norm, everything, all of the exposures and doses are all chron uh, chronic. So it's all chronic based. Um, so when you're looking at it from a safety perspective, there's a temptation to consider norm to be pretty low on the priority list. I call it totem pole of safety. You have your really, I know, that's funny. Isn't it? <laughs> you have your really dangerous stuff or immediate hazards on top and then lower down is going to be things that are, you know, not, you don't have acute doses too. Right. And so Norm doesn't have an acute dose and so it can be put on the back burner a little bit. Um, but that doesn't mean that it needs to be ignored or, um, you know, swept under the rug by any means. So there are some, I guess, uh, precautions for, you know, employees that are in and around this material to protect themselves, I'm assuming, right? Oh, absolutely. So when we talk about PPE for the worker, we're looking at what we call uh, or, or consider 
typical industry PPE, which is hard hat, safety glasses, steel-toed boots, um, work gloves, appropriate for the job, but also respirators. And the minimum type of respirator that norm decontamination workers wear is a half-face dual cartridge respirator with P100 filters that's rated for radionuclide use and is NIOSH approved. So that's not every single mask you can find on the market, but it's a pretty standardized mask and filter. And so it's very easily available and readily available to folks. Okay. All right. So that's, those are good precautions, uh, you know, PPE wise to, to utilize. Um, Well, what are, are there specific federal or state regulations uh, that, you know, require companies to, you know, really protect their their employees or you know either directly indirectly okay sure so we mentioned licensing earlier licensing uh the concept of licensing comes from the nuclear regulatory commission and they are the federal radiation agency in the united states so they come up with regulations and licensing requirements and things like that And so the state agencies, each state can decide if they want to have a radiation agency. And if they do, they can apply for what's called agreement state status with the NRC. And so when they do that, then the state has the ability to create their own regulations that could either meet or exceed the NRC requirements. So there are several states throughout the U.S. that have decided to create norm licensing regulations. And so at this point in our industry, since norm has been a a topic now for over probably 25 to 30 years, then it's getting a little difficult to just list off or rattle off what states have norm regulations, because there's about three different types of regulations that one state could have. They could have norm licensing regulations, which is the worker protection side of this and the monitoring and, you know, how are you identifying your norm? How are you managing it? And then we have norm uh, environmental regulations, which is managing the waste stream side, Right. Uh, you know, which is also probably not always, but they're probably going to be regulating the disposal facilities in that state and treatment facilities. And then we also have oil and gas norm regulations, which kind of teeter amongst those other two, you know, but they're just oil and gas specific. And so, um, for instance, in the state of Texas, where I'm out of, there's three different agencies that have their hand in the pie for NORM. You have, yeah, I know, right? So we have the Department of State Health Services, which is basically the health department. Right. And they're the radiation industry, radiation agency. So they're regulating all the activities up to disposal for this material. And then the disposal will be split between two different agencies. You have the TCEQ, the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality that regulates environmental, um, you know, waste and and issues. That'll be non-oil and gas norm disposal. And then the oil and gas norm disposal will fall to the Railroad Commission, which may be a little funny to your, your listeners who are not familiar with Texas, but the Railroad Commission regulates oil and gas activities in Texas. <laughs> Man, you know, just think that that sounds pretty complicated to keep it all straight on who's regulating what and which agency I need to talk to to get approvals or to follow the right procedures. That sounds like just with just one state, Texas alone, just think of multiplying that, that by, you know, 20 different states that you may have to you know support or work in that's crazy 
Absolutely. We have, we have clients who actually operate in about 45 states out of the U.S. <laughs> That's a lot to keep track oh, of. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So that, that does seem to be like a, a big challenge for, you know, a, a person that's in the, in the business that's responsible for making sure that their, their companies are staying within the, the rules and or even consultants helping companies stay in compliance, right? Well, right. I mean, a consultant wants to have more knowledge than their client. So <laughs> that, you know, there's a lot to keep track of. And especially if you work for an oil and gas company and you're in a, like, say, a corporate level EHS person, you're having to keep track of a whole bunch of different requirements. And Norm is this little bitty niche that, <laughs> you know, compared to all the other topics you have to pay attention to. And Norm alone has a great deal of information involved in it. Well, you know, you're right. And, and we kind of, you mentioned about being a consultant in this business and you know as a consultant in the business you know we we looked at this and i said look we need this uh this training because we were helping a lot of clients manage waste off of their uh their operations and routinely not all the time but on a you know fairly regular basis we would have a norm situation come up and we were all be scrambling to figure out well how do we get rid of norm because it's not something you deal with every day uh, and, and then you realize, okay, well, this state has this requirement and this state has this requirement and it became a challenge. And, and then, uh, you know, thank God we found you. <laughs> <laughs> well, good to know. <laughs> no, I, I'm, and I am being serious about this. Thank goodness we found you because, uh, you, you really helped our, our company and our, our staff become much more well-rounded and uh, knowledgeable about, you know, the, uh, the actual norm uh, criteria and the expectations. So the states that have probably the mo- most robust uh, regulatory uh, guidance is, is really probably these big oil and gas uh, uh, states, right? Uh, yes. So when we do our classes, we talk primarily about eight states. They're what I call the heavy oil and gas producing states. That doesn't mean that there's not oil and gas in other states. It's just these happen to be the ones that have the most regulations on norm and T-norm. And so I'll just list them out real quick. We've got um, Louisiana, Arkansas, uh, Mississippi, North Dakota, New Mexico. We have Ohio, Texas, and West Virginia. Colorado? Colorado? Uh, Colorado. No, Colorado isn't yet, but they are writing their draft rules. So, yes. So they're in the process of it. Um, Montana, they just recently this year um, implemented and executed their regulations. But see, um, Montana, they're just going to be on the environmental side. They don't have norm licensing regulations. Okay. And then Colorado is implementing norm licensing regulations. So it, there's a little bit difference in, you know, what their take on it is. And so, you know, it just depends on what the state feels has the most need. All right. Okay. Well, I would imagine most of the regulations that are out, uh, you know, within the various states that have some already in place, are there, you know, specific uh, training requirements? Like, for instance, are there requirements to survey? Because, you know, the, I mean, how else do you, you know, detect and, and identify that you actually have radiation out there? You know, what's, is there surveying requirements? Uh, you know, who, who needs to actually have uh, an RSO training requirements, uh, you know, in the business? I'm kind of curious about your thoughts there. 
Okay, so surveying is the act of taking a um, radiation detection instrument out and checking something. It could be an object, it could be a field, it could be your property, it could be anything, really. <laughs> yeah, it could be. It could be tank vessels, anything. Right. And so it's the physical act of finding the radiation exposure. And exposure is radiation that comes from an object, okay, or something. And so surveying is done by, it could be any type of field personnel. It could be a consultant. Uh, it's not technically, you know, defined technically by any agency as it has to be a particular type of person. And so these people can go out and they can check uh, these vessels and property to find out what the radiation levels are and then make decisions about what they're going to do with it. Mm -hmm. And so surveyors, um, there are some states that have requirements for training for surveyors and some of them don't. And so I, people usually get a chuckle out of that. We do a lot of training out of Texas and Texas doesn't have a norm surveyor training requirement. <laughs> so people think that's funny, right. you know, right. and, and it, you know, so there's a difference in what the regulations are requiring for surveyor training and what the industry expects. And so we actually do far more training for what industry is looking for instead of just for someone to comply with a rule. But there are some states that do require surveyor training in order to do surveys offsite. Okay. Right. So for radiation safety officer, that is required for the decontamination companies because it'll be part of their license application. And radiation safety officer is really one person who's listed on the decon license. And we refer to that in the industry as the corporate RSO. But they can have other individuals who are considered basically site supervisors who physically go out to the decon projects and are there on site with the workers. And we call those field RSOs, but state agencies will refer to them as site supervisors because the agencies see RSO as a position, whereas industry uses RSO as a level of training. Gotcha. So the decon companies are required to have the RSO training and RSO positions and non-decon companies are not. Though we do a lot of training for folks who are consultants and corporate level EHS people. Right. And um, they do it because they're writing policies, procedures, they're assisting clients. Right. So there's a need there, even though there's not a requirement for it. Yeah, that's exactly uh, the thought process we took, too. And we, uh, you know, I, I'm an RSO and I took the class with you. And uh, that was, you know, my intent. My intent there was I have to be fairly knowledgeable and really, I, well, not fairly. I have to be really knowledgeable about this type of uh, topic with clients, because if I'm advising them, you know, that I need to be on point and to have a really good background on this and, and cover a lot of information a lot of areas within the norm uh you know arena and it's not just surveying surveying is great and it's important and you really need to know the ins and outs of surveying and what's what's important about it like for instance let's talk about surveying you know what are some of the key things about uh, surveying one of the things for me that i know that you know is important is we need to make sure when we start a survey is we're, we're checking what background is before we start the survey right oh of course yes so when we're uh, doing a survey, checking background is just like your baseline. You know, background is representing a neutral reading as if the contamination or proposed contamination, because you don't know yet, you haven't done your survey, um, if it didn't exist there. 
And so background, there's times when that number, re, it just is just a number you detect and you write on a form. And there's other times that it's basically your action level. Uh-huh. And so it depends on exactly what you're doing with the equipment or property. So if you're just going out doing what's called a confirmatory survey, just checking it out for the first time, you don't know what to expect, then background's probably just a number you're writing on a form unless you're in a state that that uses background as your gamut exposure limit. And then if you are going to send scrap metal to a scrap facility, a recycler, then they probably take some deviation of background. It may be no more than twice background in which you really need to know what your background is. Sure, right. I would say um, you talk about the important points with surveys. I'd say that The two most common mistakes people make with surveying is going to be they move too fast while they survey. I've seen people try to run the length of a truck and they look ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they do. And then I've also seen folks where they're surveying way too far from the object. So we need to survey um, slowly. And I talk in the classes about your speeds with the probes and how you move and technique and things like that. And then also get very close to the object. So we're looking at being within um, a centimeter of the object when we survey. So we want to make sure that we're we're paying attention to what we're doing. You know, right. a lot of the times folks will go out there and it's almost like they just get too busy and they're not really being meticulous with surveying. Well, and then you got to really know what type of uh, radioactive uh, material you're, you're really surveying for, too. You've got alpha, beta, gamma rays, right? I mean, you know, those probes, certain probes only detect certain types of emitters. Well, that's right. And, you know, when we're talking about radiation instruments, there are so many options (laughs) to the point that, you know, there's thousands of options. And if someone isn't quite aware of what exactly they need and what will work best for them, they could end up, you know, getting things that they're just out of, you know, completely out of the ballpark with it. And um, that can cause a lot of problems or they have situations where probes read in the wrong units and, um, And so it's just a matter of it'd be best to follow what is going to be the most efficient way to survey in the industry. Well, so what I'm hearing is, hey, everybody, you need to get training on how to properly survey. Uh, Well, you know what? It would be best. And I felt that way before I ever actually offered training as a service. It had to do with I came across time and time again, people in the industry that didn't know how to pronounce the units, that people didn't really know what any of it meant. They were trying to communicate um, readings and levels and things like that to me, and they just weren't doing it very well. And I noticed that over and over and over. And so I decided, okay, well, there's a definite need here to help try to get everything consistent. And so we can actually get some work done in the old field. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's good. That's good. So, all right. So we talked a little bit about surveying and things like and, and that type of. So how does someone really like determine the actual concentration of norm uh, if if they're really going to go through a decom process? OK, so surveying was for finding out the exposure of the norm. So finding out the radiation that is emitted from objects. When we talk about concentration, we're looking at the radioactivity in a material such as soil, scale, sludge, um, other types of waste. And so the activity concentration, we get that information from sampling it and sending that to a laboratory. And so there are two different tests that are performed 
on the waste products. And that's called gamma spectroscopy and alpha spectroscopy. And that will basically, gamma is for your gamma emitters and alpha is for your alpha emitters. And so there are cer certain radionuclides of interest that we want to find out about from the lab reports. And so in classes, we go into all the details about which ones and why and, you know, the uses of when do I need this list and when do I need these. I have six common ones that I suggest people always have on a report. And then you just pick and choose according to the um, activity that you're going to do. You know, are you sending it for disposal or do you need it for transport reasons or, you know, what's the purpose of the lab data? And then we, you know, we, we understand that we want to make sure that we have that lab data so we can make proper and good, sound, reasonable decisions about what we're going to do. And so the sampling and the analysis is to let you know how much radioactivity is in the waste stream. And the purpose of the sample results, getting those reports back, is to make sure you have what you need for transportation and disposal purposes. That's right. Yeah, because if, if, if the quantity or concentrations trigger you know, a certain threshold, you know, you've got to send waste off to a norm approved facility versus, you know, a normal facility that can take just not has waste. Absolutely. And if you get norm mixed with hazardous waste, uh, then you start having fewer and fewer options on where you can send it because all of these disposals will have in the United States, all of them have limits on how hot the material can be for norm, right. except the state of Texas. Texas, they uh, have no restrictions on their disposals down there on how hot it is for norm, but you may be restricted on if it's a hazardous waste or not. So you have to be aware of both sides of that coin and be able to properly find, you know, get a facility that is relatively close to where you're at. So you have fewer trucking charges to pay for. Yeah. And then also who can accept it? Because you sure don't want to try to ship it to them and that gets rejected, which is why when we talk about disposal facilities, we should always have our loads um, approved in advance before we ever truck anything to them. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you know, you got to make a proper waste determination. And that's a technical process that, you know, using these concentrations to make the evaluations, to, to, to double check, you know, if there's other, uh, you know, chemicals of concern that are part of the waste stream. I mean, there's there's a lot that goes into that and you shouldn't take that for granted and, and just, you know, rely on others to make that determination for you. Because I've I've been in situations where, you know, they a, a company has relied on a contractor that just said, oh, I'll take it. And, and then they get there and then it's a big problem and they're rejecting it. And it's coming back. And and it's just a, a nightmare for for the uh, the client. And so. Oh, yeah, it can become a nightmare and it can just drive up your charges on those demerge charges oh. and trucking charges. It can just become a disaster. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well, OK, so. What type of plans do companies uh, need to have who are involved with norm or, you know, exploration production type activities in the oil and gas business? OK, so a common um, misunderstanding, I guess you could say, is that very few companies really even realize that they're supposed to have a norm plan. <laughs> OK. Uh -oh. <laughs> and so the NRC, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, has regulations on radiation protection plans. And so when you come in contact with norm, you're supposed to have a radiation protection plan. And that is based on that federal requirement, which your states that are operating states, or excuse me, agreement states that you operate in 
are going to also have that requirement. So you basically you get stuck having to have a norm plan regardless of where you are in the U.S. And so um, the diff there are different kinds of plans, but a radiation protection plan is a very broad term that includes worker protection and also environmental protection. Now you can get you can split those up. And some states will call it a worker protection plan, which is where you're protecting your employees. That's protecting the people. Right. And then you have a waste management plan, which protects the environment. Gotcha. And so the combination of the two is really the radiation protection plan. Um, but some states, they change the wording up a little bit on it. But you are required to have a plan and you have to review it annually. I see time and time again, companies that have plans, um, even the larger companies, they're not reviewing them on the annual time frame that they're required to. Well, and I'm assuming that, you know, there's people and, you know, position changes that are, you know, that are positions that are written in the plan. Somebody left the company and now they need to update it and um, training expires and are there, are there real training, um, debt, you know, like annual training or, or biannual training? I mean, is there a, a kind of a, a requirement there for some of the training requirements? Okay. So funny enough, no, there's not actually. No. <laughs> and so, uh, state agencies do not say in there, you have to have a retraining or, um, your, your training expires at any point. Right. However, uh, norm decontamination licenses, uh, almost always have in there that they have a refresher training. And so norm training does not officially expire, but may need to be refreshed annually, depending on the type of work the person does. And so um, we actually have many clients who do refresher training with us for continuing ed credits. So we have all sorts of folks that have different professional certifications and registrations that they need continuing ed credits. So even though they're not required to refresh it, they'll do it to get those credits for well, their registrations. I, I couldn't think of a better training to have a refresher on than Norm. Um, I, you know, for somebody who is familiar with the oil and gas industry and you're, you're, you're in it and you're working with it on a, on an everyday basis, that's great. But for somebody who occasionally is involved with Norm and, you know, maybe you, you touch it maybe two or three times a year, but then – you know, you, you don't touch it again for a while it is so easy to forget and, and lose track of it all is. of the requirements or the, the individual thing. Like, Hey, the reading is in micrograms or it's in milli rankings. Or, I mean, I mean, you know, I'm just spitting out these terms. <laughs> these things, <laughs> well, that's right. Right. It, it, is, can, right. it can be very confusing and, and you can lose track. Uh, or maybe how do you calculate from the concentrations in your sample that are, you know, going to be a threshold, you know, exceeds for a waste management disposal requirement. Those are things that if you don't have constant refreshing on, on these types of uh, topics and, and norm, Oh, it's, it's, it's can be very challenging. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so norm is a pretty technical topic, has a lot of information in it. And it's this little bitty part of somebody's job. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> right. No, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, you know, so I, you know, I, I love the class, Jerry. You, you did, a, you've done a fantastic job with uh, not only just seeing an opportunity to 
basically fill the void uh, in the industry. I mean, and I'm, there are other norm training companies out there, but you know, uh, you're a women owned business, which is awesome. You've saw the need, you jumped into this, you started a business, you know, we took the classes from you, you make it digestible and, and, and really understanding it in a, in a really common way for most you know professionals. I mean, most professionals in this industry, you know, either if you're on the oil and gas side, some guys, they don't have a lot of formal education. You got to really bring it down to their level. Other people, if you really want to be technical, most some of the higher end or, or just, you know, uh, professionals that are, you know, in positions of environmental health and safety, they've probably been to college and they've got some chemistry background and physics background. So they, they've got a little project understanding of this, you know, but it's still technical. It's still, you know, something you got to study and work on. Absolutely. And that's what, um, you know, I saw way back, you know, 11 years ago or however many years and decided, you know, there's not really anybody doing this. Right. But there is a need for it. Right. And that's why I started Norm Solutions. And that way I could focus on being able to fulfill this need that was existing in the industry. And um, you're right. You know, um, I, I basically became recognizable in my career for, you know, being at conferences and meetings and things like that and, you know, sp public speaking. And people recognized me. And some of that has to do with I'm a woman's in a, in a man's world, yeah. you know, a man's industry. Right. And so um, and people it was funny because people would not remember my name to save their life, but they would see me and say, you're that normally. Yeah. And they did it. I'm talking about hundreds of people would do it. And that's why I even came up with the Norm Lady brand. Yeah, no, that, that's that's genius. I love it. I think it just it really sets you apart. And uh, it just, um, it, you know, you've demonstrated your expertise so well, um, you know, so talking about the types of expertise that you have, let's let's give a little bit of the a flavor for the listeners. What type of services do you offer clients? Okay, well, to, to be very uh, generalized and comprehensive, we do all consultations that involve norm, okay? And so that can be at the very beginning of a process with plan writing. That can be through the surveying process, the norm management process of this. We uh, can do decontamination licensing, which we write more state-approved license applications than anybody else in the U.S. for the past, like, 11, 12 years, however long that's been now. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, so we can we can do all of that. We offer contracts, corporate RSO services and field RSO services. And um, we're really into giving options for people ultimately is for they for them to know what they could do. What are some options? How can they get their need met or how if they're a contractor company, how can they fulfill the need of their client? And so um, that's really what it's all about. And so we have uh, we we've really focused on the educational component, even when we do plan writing and we do license writing and our other services. It is to educate the company, whoever our client is, so that they're better prepared so they can become an expert in what they need to become an expert in. Right. And so. um you know, and, and we're very open to ideas. You know, if somebody says I have a particular situation and 
you know, it, it's some, some part of our operation is mobile and some of our operation is not. How can we get that licensed? You know, we talk to state agencies and we come up with alternative and uh, blended types of licenses, things like that. And so that's really what we're, we're providing for people is um, what options are there available other than just what the rule says. Sure. Let's think sure. outside the box and come out, come up with other ideas. Right. Right. And then training, obviously, right. That's another. Big oh yeah. You know, yeah. I would say that's definitely educational yeah. based. Yeah. And so even with all this, you know, stuff that happened this year, we ended up creating um, various training programs and classes that are now where you can take them pre-recorded online. Perfect. And so you can you can do everything on your computer for learning, um, you know, what you need to get trained on. Um, and so it's almost every class. I, I can't do the RSO class completely uh, pre-recorded. And the eight-hour surveyor and 16-hour surveyor has to have oversight to it. So what we have done is we have basically three different modes of deliver delivery for classes now. You have pre-recorded online classes when you can start at like 2 a.m. if you want. <laughs> and then you have uh, live streaming classes, which are scheduled and then people jump on a, um, you know, the computer and we're all meeting with video conferencing throughout the day. And so it's still interactive with people, other people. You're just not physically going anywhere. Well, and then, yeah. And then we also have in-person classes, but that's been a little bit on hold, not because of our viewpoint, but because of what our clients have uh, decided with not having in-person group training right. so far. Well, that's, that's, that's great. I mean, you, you've done a really fantastic job growing the business and educating people and you know, basically creating a train the trainer concept with a lot of the material you put together, which has been great. Cause I know for a fact that, you know, staff, uh, you know, in, in my company, we've taken the, uh, the course and RSO courses and we, we are you know, considered our internal resident experts for the company. And it's been just a, a great, a great certificate, not certification. Well, it is certification for the RSO, but uh, a great training to have and, and learning. So, um, you know, one of the things that, uh, I, I uh, try to kind of usually close our uh, podcast with is the, the podcast is called the environmental transformation podcast. And I'm really trying to shine a light on industry leaders uh, out in the industry. And, you know, I asked the question, how are you transforming the industry with uh, you know, how you approach norm awareness through the services you offer? Okay. So um, back when I was looking at first starting norm solutions, I had, and I still do, I had this burning passion for, providing good practical use information to people on a technical topic in a very practical, regular, you know, layman's terms way. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I wanted to do. And so we've had some plans coming up, probably uh, looking at podcasting and some things like that, where we can share more information over the internet in electronic formats that previously was not done. So we're looking at some app development as far as uh, how to maintain certain types of records associated with NORM, 
Um, I'm looking at a DOT regulation type app for Norm. Uh, you know, we have some ideas for how to create a technology-based way of sharing this information. So whether we end up doing that through subscription-based or not, that's still up in the air. But we have some um, some pretty solid ideas about how we can make this more readily available to people. Because if you go online and you're looking for information on Norm, it's not like there's an abundance of textbooks. Right, you know? right. It's hard to find. <laughs> because... Yeah, that's right. It's it's hard to find. And even if you find something, it's probably not going to be worth the cost, quite frankly, right. for the information you get. And so even the training manuals that we use, I wrote all of that from scratch. And we're talking about the RSO manuals, almost 500 pages, you know. Right. And so there's all this this experience and knowledge that can be transformed into a variety of modes where people can get that information. And that's really what we're looking at doing in this next couple of months and, and next year. Or oh, two. that's exciting. That is super exciting. Well, I tell you what, I, I definitely want to stay connected to you, uh, you know, as you vet out some of these opportunities. Uh, maybe there's an opportunity we can uh, support each other in that space down the road. But, uh, I, I, you know, this has been a good uh, experience you know, very exciting and interesting podcast, you know, so what I also try to do with my guest is at the end, we you know a little fun fact time, you know, what, uh, what kind of hobbies do you have outside of work? Okay. Well, my family, we love hockey and we watch hockey really? almost nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> I would have never guessed that in Texas. I know. I know. That's strange, isn't it? Even my husband, he is a uh, retired hockey player who played in the junior and minor leagues in hockey, and then he blew his knee out, so his aspirations to go in the NHL, you know, tanked. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we also do what's called billeting, where we have hockey players that come live at our house during the season. Oh, wow. So it's kind of like foreign exchange students but they can be american <laughs> and um they don't have to be foreign right. but they all play hockey and we bill it for a junior league hockey uh, or ho a hockey league that is junior level which is ages 16 to 20 and so these players are actually paying to play which means they're eligible for scholarships so if you are interested in things like junior hockey there's two different types of leagues one where you pay to play and you're eligible for scholarships and the others where you get paid to play and you're not eligible for scholarships so it depends on their career path right. on what they want to do so hockey is a big part of our our life tell the listeners how to get a hold of the norm lady because i think everyone on this podcast that's listening is probably going to go you know I need to talk to Jerry uh, because I probably have some norm questions and or I need norm training. Uh, so how do they get a hold of you? Okay, well, they're probably not going to say they need to get a hold of Jerry. They're going to just say that norm lady yeah. that was on that podcast. Right, right. <laughs> but um, they can go to our website at normsolutions.com, and uh, we have uh, just a, a an info email if you want to ask a question, and that gets to us, and we turn around and answer those really pretty quick. And um, we also have a newsletter we do about once a month about norm, norm issues. And we have uh, training schedules. We have upcoming events that we're doing internally and then also uh, regulatory changes. And we have many people who are very interested in those regulatory changes. So we're on the lookout for what's happening, you know, regulatory wise um, for any state, right. quite frankly. Right. 
you know, uh, whenever Wyoming became an agreement state, I mean, that's something we put in the email, even though it didn't have to pertain just to norm, because uh, once a state becomes an agreement state, then there's a possibility that they could be coming out with norm, you know, draft rules. And so we have conferences and meetings that if we're speaking at or we have coupon codes for, we will post it in the newsletter. So, hey, it's free and you're not getting a ton of emails and we're not sharing your information with anybody. So why not? That's good. Well, no, exactly. And then it was funny because, you know, I just started the podcast here a couple, about a month or so ago, and your newsletter came across the email and I went, boom, there's a topic. I haven't talked to Jerry in a while. This would be a fantastic opportunity to get her on, talk about norm solutions, talk about this technical topic. And guys, there are so much information. I mean, there's so much detail inside norm uh, I, we didn't even cover nearly as much as we could have. We didn't talk about all the various things and half-lives and the atomic theory and <laughs> the Alara. Oh, right. Oh, gosh. And, you know. I mean, there's a lot of stuff involved in this norm training. So if you need norm training, I highly recommend you get a hold of uh, Jerry, the norm lady, and uh, get yourself uh, set up with some training. So. Jerry, really want to appreciate you coming on the show today and uh, the sp- spending the time with uh, our listeners. And I will make sure to get your contact information posted up on uh, my website. And also, um, you know, they can get a hold of you through um, your email address and stuff. So thanks for joining and um, look forward to catching up with you down the road and, and we'll stay connected. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much for having me. I've enjoyed it. All right. Thanks, Jerry. Talk to you soon. I'd like to thank our guest, Jerry Blanchard, the norm lady, for coming on the show today. If you have questions about becoming an RSO or norm surveying, please feel free to contact Jerry Blanchard via email at jerry, G-E-R-I, at normsolutions.com or visit her website at www.normsolutions.com. We'll also put a link to her contact information on my website. To listen to future environmental transformation podcasts, you can check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast networks, or from my website at www.seankgrady.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, make a positive impact in someone's life today.